below the waterline, eerily visible through the, the murky water, the sometimes clear water, that ship remained a haunting reminder of what could have been. Oh, the battles that could have been won. Oh, the mighty voyages that could have been overtaken. Oh, the glory and the fame that might have been claimed by the greatest vessel that ever sailed the seven seas. The hopes and dreams of years of craftsmanship were held captive by the dismal grave of the deep. Paul, in his opening chapter of his first letter to Timothy, when he's talking about how to war a good warfare, Paul said that some among us have made shipwreck of their faith. What a dreadful word picture. Shipwrecks of faith. Shipwrecked faith. Faith that once was full of potential. Faith that once was full of dreams and hopes. Faith that, that once had so much going for it. Faith that has now been relegated to the graveyard of the deep. Shipwrecked faith. It's a, it's a terribly illustrative statement of a life that was once full of faith but is now just a, a hollow shadow of what it once was. A thing that started so well, that started so beautifully, that started with so much ability and promise but now lies broken and worthless and useless and left behind and no longer able to claim the glory that was once within its reach. Lives were molded for some greater undertaking, but are now shipwrecked and, and lying on the bottom of the ocean of the deep. It, it represents the greatest tragedy of the ages, the greatest tragedy that ever happened, that, that people who were called for a higher purpose may somehow get sidetracked along the way and, and make shipwreck of their faith, that those that were called to, to follow him, those that were given direction, those that were given anointing, those that were given purpose for their lives uh, would find themselves somehow shipwrecked along the way. Shipwrecked faith. It conjures the image of unfulfilled potential, of a faith that died a premature death. Oh, what a tragedy. The question that haunts my mind on this Sunday morning as I think about the tragedy of shipwrecks and faith is a very simple question. How? How? Brother Donnie, how do you shipwreck your faith? How do you shipwreck the potential that God has placed inside of you? Paul said they did it by rejecting a good conscience. By rejecting a good conscience. Now bear with me a minute. Ships were built to be the master of the sea. Ships were built to overcome all of the obstacles that they would encounter at sea. No, no shipmaker ever made a, built, a ship that wasn't built to, to ride the fiercest of waves and, and, and weather the worst of stormy winds. They were made to overcome the seas. Barring some flaw in the workmanship, barring some mistake that was made in design, 
those seafaring vessels were not fragile and they were not easily capsized. As a matter of fact, in most cases, if you're going to sink a ship like that, you have to ignore some critical reality in order to wreck it. You have to ignore some other evidence. If you're going to take one of those mighty sailing vessels that was made to weather the storm and the winds and the waves, you've got to do something out of the ordinary. You've got to do something that is reckless, that is that 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 that, that, that normally wouldn't occur. You've got to you've got to put yourself in some way in harm's way it wasn't uncommon in that day and age for a ship that whose crew died of disease at sea to sail endlessly through the waves until finally it was found by another vessel upright without a crew sailing through the storms why because those ships don't turn over easy they don't get wrecked very easy. They, they're made to ride the wind and the waves. And if you're going to wreck one of those things, you've got to fail to heed the warning signs. You've got to fail to, you've got to ignore the, the potential dangers that are around you. Somewhere in the making of every shipwreck is a sailor who didn't close the gun ports. Uh, somewhere in the making of every shipwreck is a navigator who ignored the depth readings and allowed the ship to run up on the rocky shoreline. Somewhere in every Every shipwreck is that that one person that failed to heed the warning signs and sailed their vessel into treacherous waters. Think about the sinking of the Titanic. It was no doubt the greatest of all maritime tragedies, at least in modern times. But the horror of the loss of life in the Titanic is compounded by the fact that it was a completely avoidable accident. On the day that she sank, historians tell us the Titanic received wireless messages all day long, warning of floating icebergs, particularly in the region that she was sailing into. The first warning was received by the Titanic at 9 a.m. on the morning that she would sink, and others followed all throughout the day, but they were ignored all day long. They were ignored, and after dark, the warnings continued to come. But the warnings had become so commonplace to the telegram operator that he didn't even pass them on to the officer of the ship because they'd been ignored so often. He decided they didn't matter anymore. And finally at 11.40 p.m., almost 15 hours after the first warning was received, the imminent danger was realized as that lookout startled everybody, officers and crew alike, with the alarming cry, Iceberg dead ahead. And what followed was a terrible tragedy, a great loss of life that was completely avoidable. You see, in order for the Titanic to sink, all the warnings had to be ignored. In order for the Titanic to fall into the deep, they had to become so callous to the warnings that they no longer even paid attention to them anymore. Somebody on the other side was sending a message over and over and over again. Where you're going is dangerous. What you're doing is dangerous. Stop. Change your course. Divert your path. Uh, Turn another way. Go somewhere else. Do something else. Don't keep on like you're headed. The same is true for those that make shipwreck of their faith. Faith is shipwrecked when a good conscience is ignored. 
Faith is shipwrecked when an individual ignores the warning signs that the Spirit sends them, that their conscience gives to them and chooses to proceed through treacherous waters. God has given every one of us a moral compass. He's given every one of us an inborn sense of right and wrong, an inborn sense of what we should and should not do. It's something that all of humanity holds in common. It's wrong in every culture to lie. It's wrong in every culture to cheat, to steal, to kill. In every society that humanity ever put together, it's wrong to do those things. It's, it's built into us. There's a, a sense of right and wrong that is built into the very experience of what it means to be a man or a woman. And even in the experience of the sinful, even in the experience of those that are, have a, the fallen nature of Adam and Eve, amen, it's built into us to know, even when we know we're wrong, that we're wrong. The Old Testament, Old Testament, Adam and Eve hid themselves from God in shame. Why did they hide? Why did they conceal themselves in the presence of God? Because they knew. Their conscience passed moral judgment on the actions that they had taken. They didn't have to go to God to find out, I messed up when I disobeyed God. They didn't have to get to the presence of God to know when I disobeyed him, when I took of that fruit that he told me not to eat of and I ate it anyway, that I've done something wrong, that I've done something that I need to be ashamed of, that I've done something that I need to find a way to cover it up. Their conscience let them know. Even in sin, even after they had messed up, they knew that what they had done was wrong. The conscience alone, it's not enough to save a man. It's not enough even to correct the course of an individual because our conscience has been perverted by the fallen sinful nature of humanity. But when God fills you with the Holy Ghost... When God put his spirit inside of you, when you knelt down at an altar and you repented of your sins and the, and the Holy Ghost came in and he filled you up with his spirit, the Bible says that he renewed within you a good conscience. He put within you a right sense of right and wrong. One of the benefits of having the Holy Ghost is, is that awareness of what it means to be in right standing with God. The Spirit tells me sometimes when even my flesh would not that this is not a place that I need to go. This is not a thing that I need to do. This is not something that I need to be involved in. There's something inside of me, a voice that calls out from deep within my heart that tells me you're heading in a direction you shouldn't go. You're getting into treacherous waters. You're getting involved in things you shouldn't get involved in. You've messed up. You've made a mistake. You need to find the mercy and the grace of God. According to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching all his innermost parts. The lamp of the Lord shines into our lives through the power of the Holy Ghost and reveals to us things in our character, things in our day-to-day -day living that are not pleasing to God. That's the power of conscience. 
It searches our thoughts and our intentions. It, it perceives our motives. It knows our feelings. And it shines a light of truth into the, into the very inner man, into the very inner heart. And it reveals things inside of us that we try to hide even from ourselves, that we try to, we try to hide from our own conscience. We, we try to convince ourselves. We try to make some type of rationale. We try to make some type of judgment in ourselves that this is okay and this is all right. And because so-and-so did this, I can do that. And because somebody did this to me, it makes this okay. But our conscience tells us when we're walking the wrong way, when we're falling after that, which is going to be destructive to us. You see, you can fool those that are looking at your life on the outside. You can fool your pastor. You can fool your best friend. You can fool those around you. You can even fool your spouse from time to time. Don't count on it though. They're pretty sharp. Amen. But listen, you can't fool yourself. You can't fool your conscience. Your conscience is always going to be there with you. It's always going to be right in the middle of the mix. And it's always going to be a constant reminder that you know the difference between right and wrong. You know the difference between being in right standing with God. Preacher doesn't have to preach to you what is right and wrong. You have an innate understanding. This, this right here, this comes between me and God. You know when distance develops between you and God. There's that warning system of your spirit that begins to tell you, I'm going the wrong direction. You need to stop. You don't need to go this way. You don't need to walk this way. You don't need to be involved in this. And Paul said, if you're going to shipwreck your faith, you're going to have to ignore your conscience. If you're going to shipwreck your faith, you're going to have to ignore that innate sense of right and wrong that God has put in your heart. If you're going to shipwreck your faith, you're going to have to turn a, a deaf ear to that small voice of warning that speaks into your spirit. That's the real tragedy of shipwrecked faith. It's that faith doesn't get shipwrecked by accident. Faith doesn't get shipwrecked just by chance. No one ever ended up shipwrecked because the master of the vessel, I, I'm sorry, if, if one ends up shipwrecked, it's because the master of the vessel ignores the warnings. It's because he ignores the signs that are before him. It's because he recklessly ventures into waters that are known to be dangerous. And Paul said that in the process of making shipwreck of their faith, those people that ended up, <clears throat> that ended up shipwrecked, they had to put away a good conscience. The Greek word that's translated as put away in the King James conveys the strong meaning of to reject or to thrust away and involves a deliberate, active, forceful ignoring of the conscience. It literally means to push it away or forcibly reject it. And I feel impressed of the Holy Ghost on a Sunday morning to tell somebody under the sound of my voice today that in order to shipwreck your faith... 
You've got to force your way past the good conscience that God has put inside of you. You've got to force your way past the voice of the Holy Ghost that's going to speak to you. I want you to understand something today. The Holy Ghost isn't going to let you go without a fight. You're not going to just accidentally slip off into shipwrecked faith. There are going to be warnings. There's going to be evidence in your heart. The Spirit of God is going to call out to you. Your conscience is going to condemn you. You're not going to accidentally stumble into a shipwreck. If you shipwreck your faith, it'll be because you ignored the warnings of the Holy Ghost that your heart broadcasts to you. If you shipwreck your faith, it'll be because you rejected the pleading of a good conscience. If you shipwreck your faith, it'll be because you ignore the warnings and the signs that you're getting involved in a dangerous thing. Now hear this pastor this morning. It is dangerous to ignore your conscience because the more you ignore it, the more comfortable you become with ignoring it. Sin will never enter your life without setting off the alarm system of your conscience, that good conscience that comes from the Holy Ghost. Sin will never come into your life without, you're always going to feel that tingly, that, 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 that sense of wrong. That when you, you see, this is why it's so important that you maintain a regular prayer life. This is why we keep talking on Wednesday night life class about the reason you need to pray every day because you can ignore it. You can get it. The voice of your conscience can get lost in the noise of this world. But when you shut yourself away in the presence of God and you begin to pray and there's nobody there but you and God and there's nothing between you and God but, but just your conscience, you can't ignore that distance that you feel. You can't ignore that. It, it, it's just a, it's an immutable fact whenever you come into the presence of God and you, you begin to drift and you begin to get involved in things or, or you've had some attitude in your life that's not right or you've got something in your spirit you can't get into the presence of God until that thing gets under the blood of Jesus Christ and you find yourself in a place of repentance and you find yourself in a place of humility as you surrender yourself to that voice of a good conscience in your life but if you ignore your conscience and you entertain sin over time the conscience becomes desensitized. Paul said it just a few chapters later. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, he talks about those whose conscience has been seared. Everybody know what the word seared means? It means to be cauterized. When you burn the flesh, it scars over. And burn it deep enough and burn it long enough and burn it intensely enough. And that burned area loses its sensitivity. Nerves that were damaged by the burn are covered over by scar tissue. And the whole area loses its ability to feel. That's the danger of rejecting your conscience. That's the danger of ignoring the voice of the Spirit. Amen. That's the danger of ignoring the Holy Ghost as it speaks into your life. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Our greatest tendency of the flesh is to hide from God. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They hid from God. 
it's possible to have a regular prayer life and hide from God. It's possible to have your place of prayer where you go through your list of wants and needs and all that stuff. And you get up and you say, I feel like I prayed and I've satisfied my conscience. And never having really submitted yourself. Never having really put yourself under the influence of the Holy Ghost. You can live a completely religious life and be as far from God as you could ever imagine. Because you can hide yourself from God within the trappings of religion. You can sit on a church pew and backslide. You can sit under the sound of anointed preaching and lose out with God. But listen, your conscience is going to be there every step of the way. That nagging knowledge that I'm not where I need to be. That nagging sense of understanding that I'm not as sensitive to God as I should be. That understanding that, yeah, I've had my prayer time. Yeah, I've, I've checked off the checklist. Yeah, I've done the things and I, I've satisfied all the stuff I know that I'm supposed to do to be religious. But there's distance between me and God. There's, there's distance between my spirit and his. It's been so long since I've been lost uh, in the Holy Ghost. It's been so long since uh, the presence of God. That's the voice of your conscience. That's that good conscience that God placed within you when he filled you with the Spirit. That's that warning voice saying, you need to get some things under control. You need to put yourself back in that place that the Holy Ghost is able to wash you and cleanse you and make you brand new. Listen to this preacher on a Sunday morning. Don't let yourself get into the habit of ignoring your conscience. Don't let yourself get into the habit of ignoring that small, still voice of the Spirit in your life. Because when you do, what seems like a small thing at the beginning will result in a much larger thing at the end. God gave you a conscience for a reason. It's there to protect you. And when you ignore it, when you reject it, you place yourself on the route to shipwreck. Just like the Titanic that I mentioned earlier, you willfully sail into waters that you had been warned can damage your sail, you, your soul. You willfully put yourself in places uh, where you have been warned uh, you shouldn't be. And over time, if you're not careful, the final warning will come and your conscience will be so seared that you won't even recognize that I'm taking the last step. That I'm going too far. That's the way spiritual shipwreck happens. When you reject your conscience. When you reject that voice of the Holy Ghost on the inside. You open the door of sin into your life. You leave the gun ports open if you were. Some poet somewhere once said, and I don't have it in my notes, so I know I'll misquote it. But he said, all the water in the world, all the oceans in the world, cannot a sailing vessel sink until they get on the inside. All the tragedy and trial in this life can't shipwreck your faith. All of the trouble that you encounter in this world can't shipwreck your faith. 
all of the things that happened to you that happened from outside of you that somebody else did to you, that somebody else caused to happen, all of that stuff that, that try to make you bitter and try to make you try to hurt you and try to leave a wound on you. So none of that has the ability to shipwreck your faith. All the water in the world can't sink the ship until it gets on the inside. It's when you leave the gun ports open. It's when you leave the door open. It's whenever you ignore the conscience, when you ignore the voice of God. It's whenever you let that bitterness that breaks off in your heart and starts to develop there and you feel the Holy Ghost telling you you need to forgive and you need to move on and you need to get that under the blood of Jesus. But my flesh delights in vengeance uh, and my flesh delights in anger and my flesh delights in mulling on the fact that this isn't my fault and I, I have a right to be angry and you can have your right to be angry but it'll cost you your soul if you don't put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. When it comes to shipwrecked faith, it always happens. It's always the result of ignoring your conscience. Your conscience is there to warn you in matters pertaining to sin and salvation. When you ignore your conscience... You do it at the peril of your soul because the things that you allow into your life at the expense of your conscience will always be sin. The things that you allow in your life at the expense of the voice of the Holy Ghost will always take you the wrong direction. And when it comes to shipwrecking your faith, sin is the offensive obstacle that strikes below the waterline of your life and sinks your ship. You, you can't afford to give place to sin, not even just a little bit. You can't afford to play around with the things that would condemn you, that would destroy you, that would break your faith. You can't afford to entertain it. Inevitably, if you flirt with it, if you play with it, if you get yourself desensitized to it, listen to this preacher this morning. It'll sink your soul. It'll cost you everything. It'll take you further than you ever thought you would go. It'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And my friend, it'll haul you below the watery depths. It'll keep you down there longer than you ever thought that you could stay. And if you ignore the warnings of the Holy Ghost that God has put in your heart for a reason, if you press home beyond that voice of the Spirit that cries out to you, if you get home beyond the comfort of your convictions, sin will devastate your faith. And when it is finished, it will leave behind the sad, tragic evidence of a shipwreck. That empty shell of lost potential, of forgotten dreams. That empty shell that represents a, a faith that began so well, but ended so suddenly. We've all seen them. We can call their names in our mind, those men and women who were once great vessels. God once sailed the waters of the sea and once we're so, we looked up to them. We, we admired them, but now they've fallen by the wayside, it seems. They, they've characterized their life with sin instead of holiness and righteousness. And we, we've even asked the question of ourselves, what went wrong? Where do they miss it? How do they, how do they end up in that place? How do you get from here to there? Let me answer that question this morning. It starts with a small, seemingly insignificant decision to ignore the good conscience of the Holy Ghost in your life. It starts when you push away the conviction 
of a good conscience and ignore that still small voice of truth that speaks into your life. They weren't overtaken by some huge sin, at least not at first. It started with a simple, small decision. I don't have to listen to the voice of the Spirit. I, you know I, know, I know I ought to go and be and do. I know I ought to be at church. I know I ought to come and I know I ought to put myself in the place of prayer. I know I ought to fast. I know, that, I know that there are these things that my Spirit's telling me I need to do. But, you know, I know better than my Spirit knows. It's just that small decision. This is I'm going to ignore the voice of the Spirit within me. It started when they pushed that away. When they rejected the conviction of a good conscience. Instead, they were enticed to do something, to be involved in something, to go somewhere, to become a part of something, to to just simply do nothing when they should have been doing something until their conscience was seared. Until they became convinced their way was better than God's way. Oh, that never happened to me. You keep putting your conscience in a place where it's rejected and ignored. And I promise you it'll happen. That's what it means to sear your conscience. That's how you shipwreck your faith. You need to thank God this morning. That you have a conscience, that right conscience, that, that renewed godly conscience that comes into your life when he fills you with the Holy Ghost. You need to thank God for the voice of conviction that speaks from your heart. And some of us likely need to repent this morning because we have ignored that voice of conscience in our lives. We have ignored that, that sweet, small, still voice of the Spirit that speaks to us. Some of us need to let our spiritual eyes be open today and, and see the damage that's being done to our life every time that we ignore and override the conscience that God has given us. I, I know you've got the Holy Ghost. I, I know that you're in church. I know that I, I'm looking across a room room full of, of faithful saints of God, but I, I'm not here to preach to the masses outside these walls. They're not here this morning. I'm here to preach to you, and I understand that you're in church, and I understand that you serve God, and I understand that you're faithful in the things of God, but we each experience times and places on a day-to-day basis where it is absolutely critical that we listen to that voice of the Holy Ghost. We make choices. And it doesn't seem to be that major in the moment. There's something more important in our lives than closing the gun ports. It's something that has to be done. And we leave open. We leave behind the better thing. We neglect our walk with God. We neglect that spiritual reality that we need God more than we need anything else that he is indeed more important than anything else in our lives and we neglect that and we reject that and if you're honest with yourself today it's likely that you can think of times and places in your own life where you've ignored that conscience where you've ignored that voice of the Holy Ghost where you've done some things or been involved in some things or, or didn't do some things that you should have done where you know that you know that you know that it wasn't right. That, 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 that sweet, still voice of the Spirit was calling and was trying to warn you, don't go here. Don't do this. Don't be a part of that. 
The problem is that we're rational thinking beings. Solomon said that the way of a man seems right to the man. We can rationalize anything. We can rationalize our way into disobeying God because we think we know better than God does. We can rationalize our way right into sin and convince ourselves that evil is good, that wrong is right. The standard for godliness and holiness and righteousness in your life is not how you feel. It's how the Holy Ghost feels. It's how that Spirit of God within you feels. It's that convicting voice that you have to listen to. Not the reasoning of your mind. Because your mind will say, well, it's just one time. Uh, it's just one thing. It's, it, it, it's really not that major. But you have to hear this preacher today. It's the small things that sink the big ships. It's just the gun ports. They'll get closed. But the, 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 there was no storm on the horizon. The weather is fair. There is no reason to worry about the gun ports. We just fired the salute. Maybe we're enjoying the breeze, whatever it is. That, that's not a major thing right now. And it's just the small thing that sends the mightiest of vessel below the waves. I come to this pulpit this morning to sound a warning. It is a dangerous thing to reject the voice of a good conscience because that's the one thing that puts you on the path to shipwreck when you begin to ignore the voice of God in your life. Believe it or not, shipwreck doesn't have to be final. That doesn't have to be the end of the story. You see, the Vesa story is unique because after 333 years at the bottom of the ocean, the Vesa was lifted from her watery grave. And because of the very unique conditions of the water where she came to rest, the Vesa was, against all odds, preserved by the very water that had claimed her. Instead of rotting the old oak, timbers, that heartwood that was there was largely protected by the salty brine and the temperature of that water. And it took six years for them to raise her from the depths, from the ocean floor and bring her to a dry dock. And it took 30 years of intense effort to restore her. But in the year 1990, the Vesa was opened as a museum. The public today walks the decks of that great sailing vessel. Thousands of vessels, thousands of visitors each year see the wonder and the majesty of the master builders of that shipyard. The problem is that very few ships are as fortunate as the Vesa. Very few find life again after they sink below the watery grave of shipwreck. But the Vesa will stand for the rest of time as a testimony to the fact that shipwrecks don't have to be final. The shipwrecked faith doesn't have to be the end of the story. That if I've ignored my conscience, that if I've ignored the voice of God, that if I put myself in a place I didn't want to be, if I find myself bound by things that I never intended to be under their bondage, that doesn't have to be the end of the story. There's still hope. Uh, there's still restoration. There's still forgiveness. Uh, amen. There is an answer for sin. 
There is an answer for a seared conscience. Paul declared a, a few verses later that Jesus Christ gave himself a ransom for all. And I come to this pulpit not just to preach to you the danger of making shipwreck of your soul. I come to this pulpit not just to preach to you the danger of searing your conscience, uh, but to tell you that there is hope today for hurting hearts. Uh, there's hope today for shipwrecked faith. There is a place of rest and restoration. There is a place where you can be made brand new. There is a hope for those that have violated the voice of the conscience of God. Jesus, by his own blood, has made a way where there seemed to be no way. He's made a, an opportunity, a way that faith can be restored, a way that hearts can be made brand new, a way that the conscience can be renewed again. And I come to this pulpit today to tell you, you don't have to end up shipwrecked. You don't have to end up that way. You can look at the course of your life and recognize the fact that, yes, I, I've been on a dangerous course. Yes, I've been ignoring the voice of the conscience. Yes, I, I've hidden myself behind the questions, and I've hidden myself behind other things and other people's opinions. And instead of listening to what the, the Spirit is telling me, instead of listening to what saith the Lord, I've been going to other sources, and I've been trying to find out what this man has to say or that woman has to say and I've ignored the voice of God and I'm steadily drifting away but I don't have to stay that way it doesn't have to end with a shipwreck it doesn't have to take me down that course and if perhaps you find yourself in the place that your faith has been shipwrecked and you've lost everything you don't have to stay in that place you can restore a good conscience you can renew a right heart. It can be created again within you by the simple act of repentance. It doesn't take a 12-step program to put conscience back in right order. It doesn't take a 12-step program to break free from that, that searing grasp of sin. Uh, it takes a few moments of repentance uh, in the presence of God. Uh, it takes a few moments of humbling yourself and submitting yourself to the Spirit of God. That's the power of repentance. Genuine heartfelt repentance lifts a heart into the presence of God and cries out, create in me, O Lord, a right heart. Create a clean heart. Make within me a right spirit it makes everything brand new this is if you don't hear anything else I say every one of us needs to come to that kind of a place on a regular basis in our lives every one of us including pastor needs to find a regular place where you submit your heart to God and say, Lord, create within me, Lord, a clean heart. Make within me, Lord, a right spirit. Let the Holy Ghost work in my life, Lord. If you find anything in me that's not like you, I'm asking you, God, to convict me of it. Make me aware of it. Lord, don't let me ignore your voice. Don't let me ignore that good conscience uh, that you place within me. Don't let me ignore that still, small voice of the Spirit. But, Lord, let me be sensitive to you. Let me be sensitive to your anointing. Let me be sensitive to the presence of God. Don't let me walk somewhere I shouldn't walk. Uh, don't let me do something I shouldn't do. Don't let me say things I shouldn't let me tell you what will happen when you start praying that way. The Holy Ghost is going to start making you aware of things you said you shouldn't have said. Attitudes you had you shouldn't have had. 
Oh, I, I, now, Brother McCall, I'm holy and righteous. I don't live a life of sin. No, I'm going to tell you something. Righteous people get angry and say things they shouldn't have said. Loving husbands say things to their wives that they don't mean. And those kind of things will destroy a relationship if you don't have the kind of humility to submit yourself to the presence of God for repentance and your, your spouse for repentance. Amen. you got to make right what you break. I didn't mean to get off into marriage counseling. Please forgive me. I don't care where the offense comes from. You've got to make it right. Or to destroy the relationship you have with your spouse as well as it'll destroy the relationship you have with God. If you get if you get things out of order and out wrong and you don't make it right, it'll break something that you don't want to break. Every one of us needs that place of repentance. I'm reminded this morning of a story that Brother oh, Thomas used to tell, Brother B.J. Thomas, about a safe cracker. I don't have his notes, but I remember very well the story. man was a professional safe cracker, Brother Malian. And he didn't use equipment. He didn't use high-tech technological stuff. He sanded his fingertips every day with sandpaper. Brother Donnie, there were no calluses there. They were raw and sensitive all the time. When they call him in to break a safe, Brother Anderson, he just put his fingers on the tumblers on the knob and he began to turn the knob. And through the sensitivity of his fingers, he could feel the tumblers when they'd fall into place. And he began to turn back the other direction. He could crack the safe just by the sensitivity of the fingers because he never let any kind of callus developed there. He kept them sanded constantly. They, I burned myself last week and the scab come off yesterday and it, it was new skin. It's sensitive. It's very, it's very, you touch it, it hurts. Could you imagine having that kind of raw feeling on your fingertips all the time? What some of us need is to put ourselves in a place of prayer. And say, God, I need you to just to sand away all the calluses and all the indifference and all my attitudes concerning walking with God and following God and church and religion and all the junk that I piled on top of my walk with God and get me back down, Lord, to where I'm sensitive to you again. Get me back down, God, to where I can still cry in your presence, to where I'm still touched deep within me, where there's something inside of me that's still sensitive to the voice of God and the Spirit of God. This is what we need this morning. Amen. This is what will save you from shipwrecked faith. Uh, Amen. You need to find a place of prayer and you need to submit yourself to the hand of God and you need to say, God, I need you to take away the layers uh, of stuff that I've let develop uh, in between me and you, the stuff that I've let build up over time. Amen. That sears off the voice of the conscience from my mind, Lord, that puts me in a place where I feel justified. I feel like I'm okay to do what I do. I feel like I'm all right that my way is better than your way, God. Would you stand with me? Shipwreck faith doesn't have to happen. Shipwreck faith is a completely avoidable tragedy. It only happens 
when I allow my conscience to become seared, when I get myself in that place where I'm no longer sensitive to the presence of God and the voice of God. The real message this morning is that you can be restored. You can be renewed. You can be made all over again in the presence of God. And I feel the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. I know it's Sunday morning. And I know that there are a lot of things going on. But I'm asking for the next few moments. As Brother Ryan's going to play and sing. I'm asking if you come and find a place in this altar. If you bend your knee in humility. Submission. If you'd allow the Holy Ghost right now. Lord, I need you just to cleanse me. I need you just to wash me. I need you just to make me brand new, Lord. Renew within me, Lord, a right spirit. Renew within me, Lord, a right heart. Renew within me, God, a right attitude. I need you to make me brand new this morning. I need you to renew my conscience this morning. Hardo por dar rata,